Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. Welcome to a new episode of My Sporting Mind. This week, I'm very happy to say we're heading to MMA and speaking to Bellator MMA fighter Rob Whiteford. Welcome along, you? Rob. Cheers. How are you? Yeah. Not bad. This is my first Zoom session ever, so I'm new to this. Is it? You're doing pretty well. It's fine. It's <laughs> taking a lot and get up to speed. You know, as a kid, you always get those kids that were kind of good at everything. Like, I'm that kid, so even I'm picking this up quick, honestly, I've been an expert by the time I finished. Were you? Were you good at everything? It's crazy that I am. Like, I was just and I turned my hand to it. It's like, because it, it, it's like a fixed mindset. I just always wanted to be the best at everything. So if I took part in something, always like it sold because I wanted to be like the best in the class at it. So anything I didn't, anything I didn't take part in, it's because I knew I'd be shit. So I just never done <laughs> <laughs> So that's why you were good at everything. <laughs> majority, majority of stuff, I. Is that how you got into martial arts then? And what, what discipline did you start in? Was it judo? judo? And as a kid growing up, I'd dip my toes in a lot of sports. Uh, so I like, played football later on. Uh, I joined the local boxing club, got my ass beat up there and didn't go back. And then tried judo for a little bit, then got my ass beat there, didn't go back. And then it wasn't until I was... Uh, I thought you were good at everything. I was. Well, the thing is, is... <laughs> But when you throw yourself in at the deep end, I wouldn't just go in and be with the beginners. I would try and go in and like tussle with the ones that could actually fight. I'd been there for a while, so end up getting masked. And then I went back to judo when I was seventeen, and uh, I done that for like the next seventeen. I was like 23, 20, 24. and there was a mixed martial arts session on at the end of the the class, the judo session I was on. And a coach at the time asked me if I wanted to get a try. And uh, ever since then, I was hooked. I was like. <laughs> I need to get, I need to be the best in the class here. I need to be the best on the mat. So I was like back every session, back every session, didn't miss one then since. Where do you think that mentality comes from? The fact Which? that you wanted to be the best? Uh, almost think, that fearlessness? Mm, fearlessness is pro- probably for being a young kid in the era I grew up in. It was kind of rough. So the fearless probably came for that. Majority of my pals and kids running about my age in the era I was in, probably majority of us were the same. There wasn't there something that you could ask us tell us not to do and we wouldn't do we would do it and when I got older the more I think about excelling in sports as a kid and wanting to be the best I think it's because like it's where I got the most uh, the most appraisal as a kid like when you do good you know how like, adults are about or somebody's on your team like brilliant you've done great there or something like that and I grew up in a children's home never had a dad didn't get to see much of my mum so I never got that for anywhere else I never got somebody tell me they love me or this or that and when I've done sports that's where it I seem to get, like, feel the best at it because people pat me on the back, especially if you do great. So I always knew if I'd done great there, I was the best at this or I was the best at that, I was going to get heaped heap with re- reprisals and stuff. So I think that's, that's where I kind of seek that out as a young kid. And then I suppose it's just ingrained in me now. I've been doing it that long. It's like I don't know any different. I just need to be the best every time I step into something. You can, you can really see why sport would attract you. I think it does attract a lot of kids like that like even for myself I think it definitely attracted me because it was a way I felt like I could be worth something yeah, exactly. and then I almost got addicted to that achievement you're probably seen it better than I did that's what I was trying to say I couldn't put any words here but that's that's kind of what I was thinking no you did mm-hmm. no, you explained it really well and and how have you coped with this last period especially because we were meant to fight in was it May we said May 16th yeah 16th and then obviously you couldn't fight how did you deal with that as in that getting cancelled. My life hasn't changed dramatically that much. I mean, I started fighting in 2009 professionally and all my time and my focus has been solely on fighting. 
in training. So I've been I've been in lockdown since 2009. Basically, it's, it's there's no much I change. I mean, it's a lifestyle for me now. It's it's just something I do. I physically I keep fit all the time. Like I go run in the mornings and do 8.4 mile every every second morning, just because I enjoy it. I don't do it to get fit. It's like I enjoy going running. I, I get out in the countryside up here in Scotland and it's where I get that hour to myself. No mobile phone, no in my ear, nothing. I just get my hour to myself and I'm away running. Uh, and people would think running that kind of distance, it's, you're pushing yourself to get fit, but it's it's easy to me. As I say, I've done it that long. It's, it's something I enjoy doing. And if I don't if I don't go running, I'll jump on my bike and I'll go out on my bike. I'll lift weights. Like You get majority of guys running about my age or maybe 10 years younger or something like they. They go to the gym and they try and lift weights to look good. That that's what they do. I've been lifting weights since I was sixteen year old. It's like I don't even look at lifting weights as training. Like if people say to me, "Are we training this morning?" If I've been lifting weights only, I don't even say I have been lifting weights. Like it just goes out my mind. It's like I'm not trained because I've been doing it that long. So I I lift weights because I enjoy it. I go running because I enjoy it. How important is routine then for you? It sounds like it's a massive part of your life. Massive, like. It kind of, if it gets broke, it kind of fucks me up. The smallest thing, like, so I get up at eight in the morning, I maybe sit in bed for five minutes, jump up, downstairs, stick the coffee machine on, make my coffee, stick a washing on or whatever, then I'm back sitting in my seat at half past eight every morning with my coffee, drinking my coffee, and I'll sit there for 15 minutes drinking my coffee. Then after that, I get my gym bag ready within the space of 15 minutes, and then I'm out the door for nine o'clock, and then it takes me 45 to 50 minutes to get to the gym. Like that's my morning every single time and it, it runs smooth like that. Now, if I go to the gym like my normal routine and I'm at the door for nine, I'm at the gym for 10, train on the mat for five past, 10 past, train to 11, get showered, put shower, 11.30, I'm back in the house for quarter past 12. I've got my lunch on by 25 minutes past. I'm sitting eating my lunch, maybe like quarter to one. And I'll sit and eat my lunch till like one o'clock. And then I like to sit down and watch the telly for an hour when they'd be annoying me. And I see if one of my pals come in within that room, just turn up to my house, like chat the door to see if I'm in or what I'm up to. Majority of the time, I don't even answer the door to them. I swear that that's, that's a routine I'm on, regimental I'm on, where it's like, I've got that time. And then after one o'clock, if I'm not too tired, then I'll start answering my taxis, I'll start answering phone calls. And then like people are more than welcome to come up to the house. But like, just small things like that, it totally messes me if it gets messed up. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the, you know, during this time as well, when people are talking about mental health, like one of the things is about making sure that you had that purpose and that routine and structure mm-hmm. so that every morning that you almost don't have the mental option of kind of those darker thoughts coming in. Um, you said that if you don't have that routine, it's, I don't know, am I allowed to swear? You, your <laughs> phrase was it fucks you up. Um, <laughs> what happens? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, it's like I almost get pissed off. Like it puts a chip in my shoulder. It's like, how dare you fucking mess with that? Or like if I'm if I'm 20 minutes out or like if I miss something, it's like it affects me for the rest of the day. It's like it's so important for me to have that, that routine and that regimen for me just to, to make my day run smooth. It's like if it gets messed with, it annoys me. Like like last night, my girlfriend came in and uh, she just, she came in for work last night and she works like mad hours. And she's like, I've got a surprise for you. And then, She's like, I've got tomorrow morning off. She's like, I've got a long lie. And I'm sitting right away. I'm thinking, like, you've got to fuck my morning up. Oh, it's like stressed you out. It's yeah. like, as much as I'd love to spend the time there, it's like I'm yeah. thinking, I know that I'm not going to be able to sit at peace and drink my coffee for 15 minutes. 
to kind of mess with my sleep. I had a fucking shit sleep. I got up this morning, she was up before me, came downstairs and was drinking my coffee and she's sitting trying to speak to me. And I'm like, fucking, like, thinking in my head, the minutes knowing that I'm not wanting to be rude and be like, right, I need to stop you and I need to get my bag ready. But in my head, I'm counting the minutes knowing how long I've got to sit and then to get my bag ready without interrupting what she's trying to say to me. It's fucking, it's weird. But how, do you think that's a massive part though of being a professional athlete? of having that structure, but also that mentality where so, nothing diverts from it? Well, towards the tail end of my career, like I'm getting to the tail end of my career now, uh, I've kind of tried to be less strict with it. Like my boxing coach came up and it was uh, a super, super hot day up here in Scotland, which was probably 12 degrees. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's when it was high. It was like 23 <laughs> degrees and I'd went and run my 10 mile in the morning and it was a beautiful day. And I came back and I was sitting in the garden and I felt like having a beer. Usually I would never have a beer, like maybe on a Saturday night or after a fight, then I would have a drink. And uh, I said to him when I come up, I was like, my career's been so regimental. I haven't drunk, I haven't took drugs, I haven't messed about, I haven't done any of that crap. And then you get like John Jones, Mike Tyson, who are world class and the best in the world. And they do what the fuck they want. So there's n- the, the more I look into it and the older I get, I think to myself, it's whatever makes you happy at the time. If you feel like you can hang a beer on a Wednesday afternoon after running that, hey, because it's not going to affect what I'm doing that day or the rest of the fucking day. If I feel like I deserve it, have it. Because there's no But right does it make you feel guilty? Do you think you have that in your head? Yeah. I couldn't do it, but the, the, more, the more older I'm getting in it, the end of my career, and I'm saying there's no right and wrong way of doing it. It's just whatever I think makes you happy at the time. If you feel like fucking do it, do it. What do you, when you step in the octagon, what do you, do you think about anything? Nothing. Nothing like, at all? You just got an empty mind? It's like sitting, sitting speaking to you or sitting drinking a cup of tea. Wow. And does yeah. that come from constant practice or, and the fact that it's just always been a part of your life? You don't get nervous at all? No. What about in your first fight back after your year out? No, didn't, didn't even phase me. See, actually, the time you get to octagon and step in there. No matter how much training you've done in the whole world, I've seen the best athletes be the best fighters on the planet inside the gym. And when they get into that caged environment or ring, they collapse. They can't yeah. handle it. So if you need to get ready for being in that environment, I think you're already way off. Like, you need to be comfortable being in there no matter what. So when I step in there, it's honestly, it's no different for sitting drinking a cup of tea. The only thing that goes through my head, and I always say to my coach before I walk out, I'm like, 20 minutes stop, you'll be back in this changing room. It's a time thing. It's like, I know I've got 15 minutes to fight, three five-minute rounds, and a minute in between, two-minute walk. So I know 20 minutes, 22 and a half minutes, I'll be back in that changing room. Like, no different. That's interesting. That's a really good way to look at it. it like, oh, if, if you've done it in 20 one, minutes, then I'll be back. And if think about what you could do in 20 minutes. There is, there is nothing you can push yourself to do for 20 minutes. At 20 minutes is none. You sit and drink a cup of tea and watch a bit of your soap or whatever in 20 minutes. And you're yeah. not even at the end of it. 20 minutes is absolutely nothing. And as in for fighting, three, five minutes ruins it. It goes by in a blink of an eye. So I know the shape I'm in, that I could, I could be in the worst case scenario for 15 minutes in that fight, get my heat punched in. It's not going to matter. I can still put my body and my mind through it. It's like, it's a time thing. I know I'm ready to be in there and fight. So what is fucking 15 or 20 minutes? It's nothing. But I reckon that's, it's so, I reckon by doing though, that though, that is what stops other things coming in your mind, I reckon. It's almost like that, that reference each time. Yeah, that's what you almost do. What about, how did you cope with when you had your year out? How did you cope with it, given that you're a man 
of that routine and structure? That was my worst year. That's when I'm a, I had the breakup in my marriage, didn't fight for a year, stopped training up. Obviously, after my marriage broke down, I was in a fucking terrible place. That, that has been the worst year of my life ever. Mm. And how do you feel like you got through it? You know, looking back now, what have you learned about yourself? That you need people around you. Right. Like, Were you somebody that, that shut yourself off and but, didn't well, as I just said, I've, I've been in lockdown since 2009. The longer, like, I've, I've, I've never been wanting to socialise or think I need anybody. I always think I'm the man in the arena, I can do it and I want. There's nothing that stops me. I'm strong enough to take any weight in my back on my own. And until that hit, that was, like, the worst ever. And I kind of realised that I needed people. Mm. And so, like, that was basically my friends that dragged me in that hole. Mm. And, like, looking back, what, what do you think? Is that what you've learned about yourself? Is it that, yes, you, I, I can imagine, because when it's something like, mar- you know, mixed martial arts, you go in the ring and it is down to you, basically. Mm-hmm. But then if you're in that dark place, then you almost have to take that guard up, which protects you, which you can't when you go into the octagon. You can't take that guard down. Do you think that's taught you a different way of dealing with things in away from fighting? Uh, I think I think it's it's made me it's made me be more friendly. If anything, you know what I mean, like inviting people to my house and wanting to be around more people, and texting my friends and being in touch rather than thinking I don't need them. They might need me as well. So but do you think that's a defensive mechanism? No, it's because I've always just, ever since I was a kid, I've never needed anybody. Like, I've never had anything handed to me on a plate or there's like, nobody's ever been there for me, so I've always done everything yeah. myself. That's what I mean. Do you think it comes back from when you were younger? You said that you were, you know... Definitely. No, yeah. I've, kind of, I've opened up and I've let people in and they've probably seen I'm a wee bit vulnerable. That it makes it easier asking, what are you up to the night? Or you want me to fire down for a cup of tea or fancy a beer on Saturday night? Mm-hmm. Like, just shit like that, I would never do. I would just keep myself myself my phone went my pal phoned me and they wanted to come up and visit and fair enough so mm-hmm. now it's kind of made me it's made me comfortable to reach out to other people and what did they say to you when they were helping you because I know that you know you were really in a dark place the, what, the worst was like with my friend well, one of my best friends who I kind of opened up to the majority of the time he always used to say to me you're the strongest guy I, I know like this, this, this isn't affecting you what the fuck are you playing at and I'm like literally sitting on his couch crying my eyes out and he's saying to me like I've watched you conquer everything you've ever set your mind to. Like, how can you let this girl or this woman bring you to this? And it's like trying to explain to him at the time, like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you I'm struggling here. And the fact that he's always seen me be the big man and do everything and knock people out and anything I've set my mind to. And I've never phoned him for nothing, never phoned anybody for nothing, never asked for anybody. And then the fact that I was asking him to, like, recognise that I was fucking messed up, like, I need your help. And they constantly saying to me, like brushing it off, like being like, you're, you're having a laugh here, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, fuck's sake. When are you actually going to believe me? Mm. I think it's that perception, isn't it? That for you, probably being fighting and all that kind of stuff is almost because it's what you've always known and there isn't a vulnerability there for you. But then... That's what it is, though. Yeah, when then you talk about your personal life, that's where it's more vulnerable because you've actually let somebody in. And I think mm. that's probably harder to deal with than walking in a octagon and getting hit it's one it's one of the hardest things i've ever ever had to do and then it was the same basically the same when i got married as well like none of my friends ever seen me getting married i was like what, what you didn't get married you know what i mean like you're going to commit to somebody here like you've always done everything on your own you've always 
no stress, no nothing. Like what, what you playing it here, and the fact that I've been with somebody for eighteen, uh, eight years. You know what? She's put up with my shit long enough, and she's been there for me through my fighting, high and low, and up and downs. That I'm going to commit to her, and like it was a huge commitment for me to actually call somebody my wife, and then for that to get fucking crumpled up and thrown away, it was like, hey, what's going on here? You know what I mean? It was like a huge, huge letdown. So I think that that's what the worst that I committed to somebody, and then I get let down again. Yeah. And how have you rebuilt that trust up now? Probably have they? Yeah, it takes time. Probably, I probably haven't, and it'll, it'll take time. And I'm, I'm lucky the girlfriend I've got now kind of probably realizes that. And mm. but it's like you know how when it's you know how like uh, like when girls or guys are like in an abusive relationship and their friends see it and they're like, what what the fuck are you playing at? Why do you keep going back there? It's like kind of that thing. So it's not to have stepped out of that. I've realised, like, what was I even thinking at the time? You know what I mean? Like, I'm my far more happy with myself and the situation I'm in now than I was for eight years ago. Right. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I do a lot of work around domestic abuse, as you probably know, and I think it's really hard. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's understood they're in it until they're actually out it. That's, that's what I Because it's not, like it's, it's not like it's a stranger or somebody in, outside. It's actually somebody where there's a connection and there's love. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And it, it's not it's not till you get away from the situation you realise you're unhappy, you probably worked that way and it's like it wasn't the best situation. Yeah. And then when you see people in the other foot, they're doing it and you see them constantly going back to that partner that fucks them about or messes up, messes them up and you think to yourself, How the fuck do you keep going back there? And it's not it happens to you, you don't even realise it. it's like the worst thing ever. Do you think it's taught you about what you're worth, self worth? I've I've always knew my worth. Right. I've always, I've always knew I'm and like not to blow my own trumpet or that, but some people probably think I think I'm better than people just because I hold my hell that that I hold myself that high standard and high regards. But it, it's not that I think I, I'm I'm better than people. I'm, I'm no different for anybody else. But I just want to hold myself to high standard. So I already knew my worth. It's not like I, I thought I was worth any less, and it's not like I think I'm worth any less now. It's, it's just a case of letting somebody in then to build our trust again. That's that's the thing. It's no my worth. It's just trying to rebuild your life and be back where you think you can trust somebody again. Yeah. What about perceptions of being a fighter? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you think that also fuels that because you're seen as this strong, like nothing can ever phase you hard person? I mean, I, I mean, a, a little bit, but like before, like before I started fighting as well, I still. I still thought to myself the, the, the same way. Like, I'm one of those guys that any of my pals had a problem, they came to me first and asked me for help. It was like, I've always had a way to deal with stuff and just made it basic and as simple as it is to fix. So people always came to me kind of for help and my advice before that anyway. I've never, as I've already said to you, I've never asked nobody for nothing. So it's never like I've had anybody to ask or anybody to ask for advice. I've kind of had to learn along the way myself and work on my own shit out. So... My friends can always ask me for advice. I would never ask them. So people have kind of had the same perception of me before I started fighting, probably. It's more people that don't know me that's got a changed perception. Yeah. Do you think that something I, I sometimes uh, talk about, especially in this country, like, you know, with the UK, is that we sometimes, if somebody's confident, it's almost like we, I don't know, mistake it for arrogance. But actually mm. being confident, I would say, and and really knowing your self-worth is actually one of the most important things in life. It's actually the most important thing. Why would we self-deprecate ourselves? I'm kind of self-conscious of that, you know, being too overconfident in front of people. 
But inside, I'm fucking hugely confident. I always say it's a silent confidence, so I kind of keep it to myself. Like, if I walk into a room, I'm comfortable walking into a room and not knowing anybody. Like, it doesn't faze me with shit like that. There are other people that does, but I, I'm that confident in myself. I keep it silent. I'm silently confident knowing that I can kind of approach any situation and deal with it. So I don't kind of, I don't kind of blow my own trumpet or make a big deal in front of people, but I know myself, I'm confident. Yeah. That's so probably more than anything that you say because of that attitude, I try and downplay it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because I think because of the perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I suppose it shouldn't really matter, should it, in a way? You shouldn't have to downplay it. What about, um, what was it like when you had your first win back? Um, was it in October last year? Um, what was it, if you look, because you did this um, interview afterwards and it was, you were so like happy and chuffed, but also really, really emotional. What's it like looking back at it now? It was probably good to sign the year off with that victory more than anything, you know what I mean? I, I could have never come back in there that many hours that I'd been through that much shit the, the year leading up to that. And like, it would have probably devastated me even more was in that fight. I had to walk out that arena winner. Uh, and if anybody watched the fight, you know, I get put down on my ass twice. I was in kind of a, a tough fight. Uh, my opponent pulled out three weeks before it was a change of opponent. If you could ever go into a fight and hey, circumstances no favour me, it was probably that for me. So to go out there and knock that guy out in the last fucking touch of the glove is probably the most dramatic finish I'll ever get in my career. Uh, I've knocked people out early. I've knocked people out second, third round. I've jumped fences and jumped into the crowd and you name it I've done it but just the way that year started and the finish to to the year and it was 10 seconds to go I basically knocked the guy out with 6 seconds to go I think the time the referee pulled me off uh, I'll probably not get another more dramatic finish than that in my career ever just was what it meant to me and probably meant to other people like as I said I don't even think about fighting it's not a big deal so when I was walking in there I was comfortable I'm going to do what I've always done I was going to win when I fight but the people that drive me are the people that are behind me, walking with me. I don't want to let them down. And also, I can imagine it was a big deal for them to see you, you know, after seeing you, you know, depressed, staying in bed, um, going through those really dark times and the tough mm-hmm. year that you've had, to see you come back, back like that must have been incredible. And also but, for yourself. You know, I was saying to you, the, the pal that opened up to the most and I kind of broke down and he kept saying to me, like, listen, you're the strongest guy I can. This yeah. isn't happening. Like, get a grip of yourself. He was at that fight. And uh, he he walked out the fight halfway through the second round because he seen how much a tough time I was getting, and went back to his hotel room. He never even seen the finish. Oh no way! So he'd been through all that year for, year with me through yeah. all that shit and fucking picking me back up and at my house every night and making sure I was doing it his. But taking him out for dinner and then halfway through the second round, they said they just couldn't watch anymore. What did he say to you then when you did actually see him after? Um, he was like, oh, by off, the way, I won. He was pissed <laughs> off at me. <laughs> he, he blamed it in me he's like fucking taking so long like getting your head punched and he's like make me walk out <laughs> so he turned it around he turned it all around and tried to blame it in me has it has it brought you closer to friends knowing now that it, it's almost like you can connect more when you can open up and, and show vulnerabilities I think it's made it easier for them to connect with me like because like I've fucking I've got a tough exterior I, I look pretty mean I, <laughs> the way I talk and my demeanour and like my tone of voice that everybody always say like I could say something and I absolutely mean nothing with it but just my tone of voice people take it the wrong way so I think it's made it easier for people to approach me and be easier with me thinking like oh he's maybe not the, the arsehole we thought he was yeah and so um, before we go what would you what advice would you give to anyone out there that 
finds it hard to open up maybe and has that like strong exterior that sometimes is an amazing thing but at the same time when you are struggling it's really hard I think for people to see it at the top of my mind without getting too deep into it just be careful who you let in you know okay. it's, easy enough, it's easy enough to say let that exterior down and, and let people in but you could be letting the wrong people in they'll just take advantage of it make sure who you do pick to let in it's the right it's the right people in your life you know I'm not saying shut shut the doors to everybody but, but just make, be very careful who you do let in and uh, who knows but it could be easier than you, you think you know what I mean you, you dread probably thinking trusting people and stuff but you'll never know until you actually do well thank you um, it's really good to hear from you and thanks for sharing I like, massively a- appreciate it and I'm glad that we caught you in the afternoon and not during your 15 minute morning coffee <laughs> 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 but yeah thanks so much for your time really oh, no. really appreciate it and thanks for being open and sharing and being so honest as well it's really important yeah, i've enjoyed the chat with us thank you right. i hope you and en- you enjoy all enjoyed listening if you can relate to anything we've discussed or are struggling at the moment you're not on your own as you're hearing um in how you're feeling so many people really do understand you can contact the Samaritans or check out Mind's website or text shouts to 85258. And of course, um, as Rob was saying, look to confide in a friend as well. And you can also contact me on social media. Thanks for listening and we'll speak again soon. Bye.